Hello, this is post-production Pavlo here, just to let you know that this episode went a little bit long, so it will be in two parts. Currently, you are listening to part one, so stay tuned for part two coming soon. Enjoy. Welcome back to an all new, all different aim for the bushes. I'm your podcast person, Pavlo, also known as JPAP, also known as Pav, also known as Pavi. And today with me are two special fellow podcast people, Dexter and Alex. Yes. Yes. We're That's where you guys come in. <laughs> where you go, I feel Dexter, like that was my cue. Alex. So we know Good who's to be who. Here. Good to be here. Yes, it's good to have you both back. Last time we were here, we are talking about Space Jam. Uh, yeah, yeah, Space Jam. And uh, yeah, so stick around for uh, our conversation on Space Jam and New Legacy when that comes out. And if you haven't listened to our Space Jam episode, go back and listen to that one. It's just a few episodes before this one. And uh, speaking of topics, today's topic, very, very different from Space Jam. We're, we're going... What a segue! Ah, yeah. We've, we've we're, strayed so far from the path. <laughs> we're going completely different direction today. Today we're talking about Quebec. So if you're unfamiliar with Quebec, which I imagine most listeners are, since at least from some of the stats that I see, a lot of people in the U.S. listen, uh, primarily com- uh, compared to to Canadians. So if you're unfamiliar with Quebec, you may know it as the place where people speak French. So if you come across any French people Equitine. from Quebec, that's that's the area we're talking about today because I'm sure there's like um like if you go down to Florida or like New England when like, you know, people go across the border like in Vermont or upstate New York and you're like, who are these crazy French people? It it's it's people from from Quebec. Yeah, if you've ever heard somebody go, Jeanette, voyons, on That's us. I'm sorry. That yes. was French. Just to clarify, he was indeed speaking French. Yes. But it's Quebec French, which is different from France French. Very different from France French. So, anyways, we're going to get into it. But just before we do our non-legal legal disclaimer, which is simply that the opinions that we express are just that, our opinions. So you are free to agree with us. And you are also free to disagree with us. So we're not saying that we hold the ultimate truth, but that we're just, you know, giving our our viewpoints, our hot, hot, or sometimes very mild takes on different subjects. So. Except for me, because I have a degree in political science. Oh. Suck it. Oh, okay. Yeah, we're going to get political at this one. Yeah, Alex is the most authority, I think, in this in this episode, because I don't I don't have a degree in political Damn. science. So we know we're in a bad state when Alex is like our go-to <laughs> authority. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> okay, do do any of you want to start off or No, okay, okay. Well, all of so history covered. started in 1535 when Jacques Cartier came to yep. the land that would one day become New France. Okay, yeah. So according to all my history classes. Okay, so yeah, so I guess we should preface this that both Alex and we Dexter. We do have background, yeah. Uh have well i would classify you as quebecers some people may not classify you as quebecers we're going to yep, get into that yep. in a second some people wouldn't classify me as a quebecer we're going to get to we're going to get into that but i guess we should start like with the history uh, just before we get into the history yeah so dexter and alex are from quebec i was i was not born in quebec but i've been living here for quite a while now i was born next door in ontario so i didn't <laughs> oh yeah i like that map that you sent i'll, I'll put it in the show notes the <laughs> Yeah, you should finish it. It's a, it's I think a, that is genuinely some good context. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's a it's a cheat sheet. So if you're unfamiliar with Canadian like politics and like social <laughs> norms and stuff like that, it's a it, it'll help you get acquainted real quick. So I didn't go through obviously high school in Quebec and like learning the history and all that stuff. You do learn about Quebec history because at the same time it is also early Canadian history, and we'll get into it in a second. Mm-hmm. But that's just about us uh our backgrounds in terms of our relationship to this land uh, called quebec so as dexter mentioned it starts with uh the french jacques cartier coming over in i guess what you say 1539 i don't know the the, the dates but uh, 1500s it yeah. was the 1500s yeah. like late 
uh, mid to late 1500s, Jacques Cartier. I think he made three trips. Yeah. Coming here. And then eventually, I think, I don't know, in the 1600s, Samuel de Champlain comes over. And 1608. That, 1608. There you go. So it's like about 50 or 60 years after Jacques Cartier first uh, came. Uh, yeah, he sets up, uh, Samuel de Champlain sets up the first kind of French colonies. And the French kind of claim this area as New France. It basically, it stretches from like Atlantic Canada, well, current uh, modern day Atlantic Canada, all the way down to like New Orleans, uh, basically just around the 13 colonies uh, of the U.S. Well, I guess uh, no, right now they'd be British colonies, but that's basically where, yeah, where they come from. Like all along the East Coast. Yeah, yeah just past America. the the Appalachian Mountains was like New France. And um, yeah, so... The thing is, uh, when the French, at least to Montreal, I, I can't speak for all of, of the New France area. So the around Montreal, Quebec City, that was called like Quebec. It came from like a native name. And so did Canada. I'm not sure which, mm -hmm. which tribe, which language specifically, but they're nat of native origin. And uh, Island of Montreal, when they came, when they established the colony, it was empty from when Jacques Cartier had uh, first come because... Guess what? Europeans brought a bunch of disease along with them. So uh, a lot of them died off. Uh, natives, I mean, died off from just contact with, with Europeans. So when the Montreal colony was set up, it was pretty much empty because uh, they had to leave and they had uh, died off from uh, disease. So obviously French come set up colonies, like I said, uh, from, from here, this part of modern day Quebec all the way down to um, Louisiana. And basically, through war with the UK, although at the time, I guess technically it wasn't the UK, but whatever. It was you know, England, yeah. France, the, got, France got here first, and they were like, we get, we get some pretty cool stuff to send back to, the, to France. And then England was like, oh, oh, you, you got that, that's, some that's some pretty nice land you got there in, uh, in the New World. Why don't we just shrunk? Yeah, so there was yeah. war going on in Europe, and because there was war going on in Europe, that translated to war in the colonies, so into North America. I think we call it the Seven Years' War. I think internationally it's called the French and Indian War, if you want to look this up, if you want to read more of the historical background around this. And this is the war, at least in North America, that changes everything. Because in 1759, there's a battle called the Battle of the Plains of Abraham, where the British forces defeat the French forces. And you can go to the Plains the of Abraham. The most important moment in all of history. Yes, in the Quebec-centered <laughs> universe. This is the most important event. Uh, you can go there now. Well, not now because we're in a pandemic, but once everything is, I guess, semi-normal again, you can actually visit the site. Uh, it's like a public park now. Uh, and that battle there where the English General Wolfe beat General Montcalm, actually both generals died at this battle, but that, that's, the, that's what changes the tide for everything. And so you may think, why? Why is this? Why, what's so important about this? Because what had happened was when the British beat the French colonies here, right? They, they overtook their land as part of like uh, this war, but they guaranteed them their rights. So the French col colonists who were here, they were guaranteed by their, I guess, British conquerors that you can maintain your way of life. You can maintain like your religion because uh, they were Catholic. And by this point, uh, the British had become uh, Protestant. So he said, yo, it's all cool. You, got, you guys can keep being Catholic. You can keep your seigneurial system, which is the way that the French had divided up the land. And we'll let you keep all your language, customs, religion, all that stuff, all good. Uh, you know, Because what had happened prior in, uh, in the Atlantic provinces when, uh, in, in Acadia, when, when Britain had uh, defeated the French there, uh, you know, I think like 20 years earlier or something, uh, they expelled the, the Acadians. They told them, you either swear, swear loyalty to the British crown or we're going to kick you out of here. And the ones that didn't got kicked out. So most of uh, the Acadians got kicked. They, some of them went down to New Orleans. And that's how you get uh, kind of uh, Cajun culture now. Yeah, uh, most of them got New Orleans. Yeah. And then most of them got sent back to France. But when they conquered Quebec, they didn't do that. They were like, no, we'll let you do your things. Because... And this is going to factor into American history now, because just below, like we said, the Appalachian Mountains was the 13 colonies that eventually became the U.S. And uh, when the British took over uh, New France and passed the Quebec Act, this is several years later, guaranteeing 
the French Canadians, their way of life, their religion, that pissed off. That was one of the things that pissed off like uh, the revolutionaries before the American Revolution because they were like, yo, that sh- we should be able to expand, you know, west of the Appalachians. But now you've and, and obviously like in, into northern, I guess, Canada. But you guys had sealed that off from us. So we're upset. So that, that kind of contributed to uh, the revolutionaries in the U.S. that were going on. And that's part of the reason why Britain had uh, guaranteed them their rights, because they didn't want people in the colonies, like the, the American colonies and people in New France, coming together and going, hey, let's, let's, let's beat up the British and you know, do our own thing. Because during the American Revolutionary War, a force, an American force came up to Quebec and said, yo, join us and and the the french canadians there at the time were like nah man we good we good we got what we want we don't want to risk it on joining your cause and, you know if you guys lose we're gonna be real screwed now so that kind of like sets the stage for what we have here because this moment has been ingrained for anyone modern day uh who's like has separatist or nationalistic sympathies it comes from this idea that we are a conquered people right because what had happened in the following years after this conquest was that they guaranteed uh, the British guaranteed their rights, like I said, and they didn't make them swear loyalty to the British crown. But they, they, their solution was to kind of passively, aggressively, just like, oh, if we ignore them, eventually they'll go away and they'll um, assimilate. Yeah, but but Britain still kind of treated the, treated like the population of, of Quebec as members of. The British Empire, yes, mm-hmm. right. Despite like claiming to to preserve their rights, no, yeah, they like, did because at the end of the day, they're still white Europeans. Yeah, that's the thing you have to remember. Yeah. And the reason why I bring this up is because when we're going to get into more modern day stuff, well, once we move out of the historical context, uh, a lot of the way people who are like um, separatists or nationalistic, the way they talk about how their treatment, like historically by English speakers, by, by the British, is that, you know, they were o- 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 oppressed. And the way they talk about it, they make it sound like how natives in this area, in, in Canada and in the U.S., have been oppressed by Europeans in general, which is that, you know, they were, like, rounded up into reserves or reservations. Um, you know, their land was taken from them. They basically have, like... residential schools. Yeah, residential schools. They're taken away. And, you know, physically made to assimilate, right? We're going to take you from your home. We're going to make sure, like, you don't know your language. You got to learn English. But that never happened to, to French Canadians. Uh, they were never put into a type of residential school program. Uh, people in Quebec have been able to have their own form of government. Like, we have a provincial legislature. And even before the creation of Canada and the province of Quebec, they had, like, Lower Canada had its own form of responsible government, representative government. There have been French-Canadian prime ministers, French-Canadian premiers, senators, uh, people who have been governor general, uh, people on the Supreme Court. So in many institutions, uh, you've been able to prosper, although there was discrimination based on language because, like I yeah. said, uh, yeah. for a long time, the most of the power in terms of like landowners and people who had wealth and business in Quebec, it was uh, people who spoke English. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, for like a long time throughout like the 20th century, there was like a, a huge class divide between French speaking Quebecers and English speaking Quebecers, where English speaking Quebecers were all like businessmen and then French speaking Quebecers were all working class. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was definitely to say that there wasn't any like, there wasn't any discrimination from the English colonists, right? But like this idea that is very much that a precedent that like, Quebecers needed special status. Yes. With, and this will come up later within Confederation when we actually become a country and like later in the 1960s. It's a whole thing. To say that this is a simple issue is a lie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what that's what makes everything so weird, you know, is because it is very complex. It's not black and white, even though, you know, we may be uh, recounting it in a simple way to simple uh, as a way to simplify the complexities. Uh, that's why there's like, all this stuff about language and all that and all that, because the people who have lived here since uh, the, the, the French kingdom originally sent people, they feel obviously connected and that, and that this is their homeland, which I can understand in a certain sense, because if you have a family that you can trace through generations, like I understand why you'd want to keep your way of life 
or why you feel like you're owed the the ability to keep your way of life. Like, I understand mm-hmm. that. But at the same time, it's like, hey, you are a colonizer, too. So that's the main thing. That, 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 yeah, exactly. It's that, absolutely. That uh, Quebec you, people don't you understand. Come from, you come from the French Empire. Yeah, exactly. Because right? the way, like, one instance is, like, during the First World War, uh, when Canada joined to fight against the Germans, uh, you know, alongside the British and French, as in from France, army uh there was a a huge anti-war sentiment in quebec because they felt well that's part of the british empire we're not a part of it right we're anti-imperialists so we don't want to partake in the war and i can kind of understand that i suppose yeah that's actually one of my favorite moments of quebec's history is is looking like yeah fuck you british empire we're not doing your (laughs) shit so here in quebec the obviously conscription when that issue came up massively unpopular for French Canada, because they, like I said, they didn't see themselves as part of the British Empire. But the idea that they're anti-imperialist, I'm like, well, no, the reason why you're here is through imperialism. Yep. Right. Imperialism you just, you just lost, lost the way 500 years. Yeah. You just lost to the wrong, to the other team. Right. You guys I, are the I, same I, uh, game, but you lost, you lost to the other team. Yeah. I feel like we should uh, jump ahead in the timeline a little yeah, bit and just give some, because I, I feel like we're jumping around. I think we should give some context sure. about what like the political climate is currently like uh, talk a little bit about quebec nationalism separatism we keep bringing it up you know yeah yeah that's just to like like i said give the historical context so you kind of understand how we end up here and it's because of this idea that okay we had one colony established and then the british take over that colony but they leave the people here so they leave the the people who the french people came to that colony they leave them there and they say okay we will leave you alone, let you do your thing. But then all around that, you have, well, English-speaking Canada now, and then you have English-speaking U.S. to the south. Yeah, yeah. So well, all, yeah, and, and, yeah, go ahead. Like, to this day, people, when people think of a North, North America, the culture you think of is American culture, which is English culture, right? Mm-hmm. You don't, you, you know, Quebec is usually a footnote in, like, demographics about language in North America, right? That there's like, oh, yeah, yeah and also in this little pocket here, they still speak French. Mm-hmm. Right. So, or, or, and, oh. and yeah, that's the other thing I'll just bring up real quickly before we start talking about like the quiet revolution, and all that stuff is that there are other French speaking areas in in Canada, not as populous as Quebec. But I, like I had mentioned before, the Acadians. So it's like in uh, Atlantic Canada. Some of them still exist there. So like New Brunswick and in Nova Scotia, probably PI, too. I don't know, but definitely New Brunswick uh, and Nova yeah. Scotia. Still, and Acadian French, I don't know if you ever heard Acadian French, completely different. It sounds so yeah. weird. Go look it up if you've never heard Acadian French. It's, it's, it's mind-boggling. And then in Manitoba, you have like Métis, which are descendants of natives and like French, like uh, original French colonizers who lived in that area, and many still do. And in Ontario, no- northern Ontario, you have what are called Franco-Ontarians, yeah. who are like, again, French people who moved into northern ontario and they still have communities today also in windsor too a big french community there yeah well and, and, and a, a, you know a lot along the the quebec ontario border, border too yeah like Hawkesbury yeah. is along the border where like you know like on one side it's it's like the official language is french on the other side the official language is english but oh yeah you know, like ottawa gatineau line, area get blurred yeah like ottawa gatineau yeah but i meant like because you could argue that it's because yeah it's cross-border it's, it's just, it's there, but right. so I mean, like further out in Ontario and like Manitoba, where you have populations that are removed from like Quebec, but still French, mm. although smaller, smaller uh, in, in in size. So basically, well, we're gonna jump up to like I guess the 20th century because everything was super good. No, there were there were issues, but uh, what I will say is that Canada was um, its main economic engine was located in Montreal in Quebec. So. The reason why there was a big deal about it uh, when we talk about, you know, like English business owners and landowners and stuff like that, it's because all the business was centered in Montreal. Yeah. Yeah. Montreal is Montreal is like is like the like access point to the Atlantic Ocean for a lot of um, like shipping. And stuff. Canada. Yeah. So at the <laughs> beginning through, through here, we happen to all live in Montreal, the three of us. <laughs> yeah. So at the at the beginning of Canada, like. And even when you go before Canada becomes a country, yeah, the main source of economic output was Montreal. Montreal was the big city traditionally up until we get to the 1960s. And that's when we start getting into the Quiet Revolution. 
and the language laws that we're going to talk about uh, real soon. So I think it's like starting in the 50s, um, there had started there, a movement had kind of started to kind of like for, for French people or Quebecers to uh, kind of be more in control of, of uh, let's say, their destiny within, yeah, within the of- country. Yeah, well, mostly, this is mostly, I mean, there's a couple things that brought this on, right? But, like, it's mostly economic and, like, Mm -hmm. religious-based from the research I was doing, right? Like, for the longest time, Quebec's economy was centered on mostly, like, agrarian things. That's where the, like, outside of Montreal, where the business uh, was kind of coming. And then when the Industrial Revolution hit in the 1870s, uh, or 1870 onward, a lot of these French people got pushed into the cities going doing low-income jobs and that's where a lot of like Montreal slums started developing uh so again this idea of like French people being like having French-speaking Quebecers not having the best economic situation in this new booming age where they didn't they they were disillusioned with like life in the city right the sentiment that they needed something for their own and obviously a very big mis- a, a good way to blame your misgive your economic misgivings is to, to blame the you know ruling business class of anglophones right mm-hmm. and at the same time I mean, which, the, which is there's some validity to that which is like, yeah absolutely there are there are class issues in quebec mm-hmm. as we talked about right the, the longest for the longest time the ruling business class definitely was like english canadians and coupled with this is the predominant feature of Quebec religiosity, the, Catholic, the Roman Catholic Church was huge in this province. Yeah, had a big ever, influence right? in like running a lot of social services and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, and 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 like you know, you go to any town in Quebec, and there's like a, like there's like a church for every ten houses. Yeah, and the, well, and this is because like when one of the first things that they did when they came here in the colonies was to like evangelize, right? Was to convert the natives uh, to Catholicism. So the Roman Catholic Church had its had its pot its hands in literally every single pocket. They mostly took they took care of all education, all healthcare yep. for the until about the 1960s. Exactly. So that was part of that move to detangle from the Catholic Church and have a stronger like provincial government, but also again to um, strengthen their position within Canada as well, because a lot of uh, businesses like uh, coming in from the U.S. You know, they would cater to primarily English speaking Canadians. And as mm-hmm. we talked about, like with um, w- with actual like holding positions of power, a lot of that was focused on English on, on English Canadians. So it got to a point where people were like, no, we got to like, first of all, set up our own stuff, like in terms of like through the government for like education, healthcare, other services. But then also in terms of like how we operate businesses here, like signage, uh, the language that employees speak because it was like an issue like if you would go into a store like a mcdonald's you want to order something a lot of people uh couldn't get served in french yeah yeah if you only speak french and everybody all the businesses are run in english yeah. then get service so like i can understand that frustration because it's like well like we're the dominant language group because most people that live here mm-hmm. are french speaking and it's like you go into you know, English, highly English speaking areas like Montreal. And you're like, well, I, this is like, I'm a stranger, like in my own homeland kind of thing. So it makes sense that they would want to change this. So in the starting in the sixties, we have uh, political movements that are geared to one, uh, like we said, uh, getting rid of the Catholic church, running everything, but then two establishing a strong national identity. So national for people from Quebec, a uh, French, a Canadian national identity. So that was like the main move. And that's why we have the uh, a shift in economic power from Montreal to Toronto starting in late 60s, early 70s, because a lot of people and businesses were like, we don't want to deal with like these language laws because like, Quebec had passed like a, their language law called Build 101 that basically stipulated everything had to be in French in terms of like signage, in terms of language spoken in the business place, in terms of where you send your kids to school like if you're immigrants you got to send them to french speaking school so yeah, it's basically to a, ingrain french as the main day-to-day language yeah it was a huge like socio-political movement like when the past like before this this is when the parti québécois was was created which is a political yeah. party that was solely for quebecers 
well to promote the, all these all these things we can yeah, yeah it was, it, go for it, it, was, it, was, it was like it's like at the like on the provincial level for quebec it was like the nationalist yeah. party and this is then this is the time when they came into power and it's actually kind of like when you look at the actual like reforms that they did it's kind of sweeping like they nationalized yeah public health care, they nationalized uh, utilities, that's how Hydro-Quebec was made. If you don't know, it, Hydro-Quebec is the one big power company that's electricity Quebec that supplies yeah. Yeah, hydroelectricity to like a lot of Canada and a lot of the US. Yeah, Quebec runs on hydroelectricity. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, that's one of those weird things is like, often when you talk about nationalism in other countries, like you associate it with, with like conservatism, you know? Mm. Yeah. But but it, like the Parti Québécois and a lot of the other like um, nationalist um, parties and like the national beliefs are li- very liberal in some ways. Surprisingly like, socialist, yeah. See, that's the thing, right? And this is what gets what brings me to like identity is because it's like yes, they have like social programs, right? Uh, a lot of a lot of what they introduce and what they still carry on today is social, but then it comes down to well. Who is a Quebecer? Yeah, but yeah, mm. it's like who, like who are you including in your in your social programs? Right, like so when you when you have like this, and this is why like when we have nationalistic separatist movements or parties, and then you also want to be like socialist. I'm like those two ideas don't actually mix. Yeah. They they kind of oppose each other because once you set a, a set of guidelines on who belongs to a certain group then everyone who falls outside of that isn't included Mm. in these like social programs because one of the things we talk about like just in society in general here in quebec is like race and institutionalized racism and a lot of people even the premier francois legault has been saying there's no (laughs) there's no no institutionalized racism (laughs) exists because we're all quebecers right a a riot to hear from a middle-aged white man who has the most powerful position in the province it's like yeah i'm sure you have great perspective on that right so when you have these definitions of who makes up a group i'm like you can't are 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 you actually including everyone if you think because if you think of a quebecer like most people i think if you ask them on the street who is a quebecer or french canadian uh you know white european french descent speaks french well yeah like uh, like, you know there's a term. It's Quebecois. It's a term. Like, yeah. like, I was just about to mention right? it. Like, it's, yeah. it's, it's like it's like it's like in Harry Potter, the pure bloods in Harry Potter. It, it means the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, was, that was a huge thing in my in my high school was like the pride of being a pure blood Quebecer, which I am not because uh, I'm not white. Yeah. Um, even though I I like I I'm mixed race, so I do have a a part of my family that that does go back to like Jacques Cartier's boat and shit like that but, but it's worth nothing because my my blood's dirty but see that's the thing though because like we think of even historically people being from Quebec as like white Europeans but there have been other people that have, other groups of people that have been in Quebec just as long like there's been some like Asian families like people who are like Chinese who came to Quebec like back in the 1700s so if you if you if you're of Chinese descent and your family came here in the 1700s and you can trace your you know your family that far back why are, why are you not a quebecer because someone will look at you and be like oh yeah where are you from all right you're you're, mm-hmm. you're obviously not a quebecer and you're like yeah my family's probably been here longer than yours so how does that fit in and that's where i find like the um, the opposing views there because like for me to be a quebecer you just you partake in the culture in some way it doesn't matter if you speak french english a different language uh but if you take that definition where anyone who's just basically here is one then it renders it meaningless. So how can you have a nation? That's why I think like well, for, for Canadian identity, we don't have like a, like a strong nationalistic Canadian identity nah, in the yeah, same way that us or uh, Quebec does, because there's so many different groups of people. How, how would you ever include everyone? So the easiest way to say is, well, we're all, so that means it's not important. So no one is essentially. Yeah. Canada really doesn't have a, a strong national identity. Um, because because it, it 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 like well you know it was founded on two cultures right like but yeah. like even when you look at its imperial european mm-hmm. like framework it, it it was founded on a on a british colony and a french colony yeah. that were stuck together and Basically. when that's your groundwork you can't have a yeah. single national identity but and even the kind of 
even the kind of federalism that like put the Quebec, like put all the provinces together during Confederation, like it had to spread all across Canada, right? And Canada was like, also a huge country. The huge like, country, territory wise, yeah, like it's huge, a huge piece of land. And it's built like on immigration. Aside from the fact that yes, those two colonial powers that came and started like colonies, obviously, uh, you know, we I guess you could say doing like natives dirty here. Uh, that's another issue for another day. I, I can't speak too much on that, but we know that it's obviously something that exists, uh, but something a little bit separate. But uh, they different groups of people from different countries had come yeah. over here, like especially for like the West. I remember like when we kind of talked about this, like in history class, like they gave free land to like Ukrainians to come over and yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and farm and develop the land. Right. So, and like, you had Chinese come over to like build the railroads and like BC and stuff and across the country. Yeah. 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 British Columbia was colonized by a completely different group than Nova Scotia was, yeah. you know? Yeah. So there's no way you can, because once you try to set a, uh, put out a set criteria of what is a Canadian, Right. You're going to start get creating inequalities right away. And the same thing happens yeah. for Quebec. Once you say this is what a Quebecer is, that's why I don't like the St. Jean Baptiste Society and all, all these like pro nationalistic yeah. oh, groups, yeah, because yeah, they're like, you got to you got to hit. We got to check you off. You got to meet, you know, yeah, these criteria. Let's, otherwise, let's you're not part of it. Yeah. Let's Quebec nationalism is essentially white nationalism. Yeah, you can yeah, take it, it that yeah, far. It's super tied into that. Well, because like um, with the, re the Revolution Tranquille, what, quiet revolution. What is that in English? Quiet, the quiet revolution. Yeah. Quiet, with the quiet revolution, that least that that led to a strong national identity for Quebec. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. With things like like the Parti Québécois, and then that, I don't know. I I think that kind of culminates in 1995 with the referendum. Mm -hmm. I was gonna bring it up. Yeah. Right. Which which was and a a referendum like a like a vote in Quebec of whether a, a province wide should, vote. Yeah whether Quebec should stay a province of Canada or become its own country. And we should mention with it was the second such referendum. Oh, yeah, there were two referendums. I think there was one in the 70s. This was the one that almost worked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was like really, really close in terms of... There was one of, in 1980. Oh, it was 80. Which was like, yeah, 1980, which was the, the question was like political sovereignty with economic association to Canada. Yeah. And then 1995 one, which was like full sovereignty. And I have the numbers. It was... 49.42% yes to 50.58% no. Yeah. That's insane. In 1995. And, and okay, this is a little tangent, but one thing I do really like about Quebec yeah. is that people are very active in politics. People actually they really are. And people care. It's like, crazy. Because, and part of that is thanks to this national identity and yeah. people having a strong opinion on it mm. one way or the other, that people actually participate. And people, you know, voted on that because it yeah. mattered and people care. Political activism is like kind of the lifeblood of Quebec society from its inception, which is kind of yeah. insane. It's yeah, that's one of the, like, the nice bits of being a quote unquote underdog, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so because of this cultural divide that we have here, it, it does lead to some, I guess, like unique situations that I don't think people experience in other countries oh. in the same way before we move on yeah, to yeah. the culture before we move on to things i just want to say like we keep calling it the quiet revolution which is what it was called yeah that's but what they're called. like there's no like this is not to say that there wasn't some shit that went down oh yeah, there's like, riots and we stuff. had there, there were riots there was a there was a quebec nationalist terrorist organization yeah, the yeah. Quebec, that like kidnapped two people and murdered a, a transport of minister yeah. and his name uh, dropped in die hard oh is it <laughs> Is he really name dropped and died? Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> so, do your research, folks. It's fucking wild the shit that's gone in this province in the last like fifty years. No, more than that. Forty, sixty years. My apologies. Sixty. Yeah. Okay. No worries. Uh, but yeah. So part of like I guess the constitutional conflict that that arrives. Uh, from Quebec is from is is when in 1982 we repatriated the constitution so really quickly because this gets into complex Canadian politics uh you can go and and, and research this if, if this kind of stuff interests you but it's too complicated to get into it fully here but basically when Canada became our a country, boy daddy Trudeau <laughs> our our constitution was basically still held like by Britain so like legally Canada was like created by an act of the British parliament and so ultimately, the British Parliament could change laws within Canada if they wanted to. 
And conversely, if can, if uh, Canadian politicians or political parties wanted to affect change to the Canadian Constitution, they would have to get approval from the UK Parliament. Now, obviously, that is a very cumbersome and complex system, which means that there will be like not a lot of change possible within the country because you got to rely on another country's uh, political <laughs> expediency and, and, and knowledge to affect what you want to do. So in the 80s, uh, Trudeau, our current uh, prime minister's father, uh, Pierre Trudeau, the, the said, uh, OK, let's let's bring the constitutional home. That was his big political thing for his like his last term as prime minister it was like, let's bring the constitution home. So basically it means that uh, Canada itself has the ultimate authority over what happens to its constitution. And that's where we get the like Charter of Rights and Freedoms and a few other things uh, in this newly created Canadian constitution. And the reason why I bring this up is because uh, historically, symbolically, Quebec did not sign this constitution. This constitution just worked out. They were like, nah. Well, the reason why, I mean, it doesn't like the province doesn't have to because it's bound already by law from the previous constitution. uh, And this new constitution takes over from that. So Quebec has to abide by the constitution. It's just a symbolic yeah, it's, it's gesture protest that, that yeah, they wanted special status. Yeah. Quebec. That would show that they are on board with the whole Canadian confederation thing. But legally, I mean, it doesn't really mean anything. It's more like political and okay. symbolic. Uh, yes. Yeah. It's weird. This is this attention, but it's, it's weird how much power Britain still has in Canada. Like, because, like, because unlike the governor general still exists, yeah, we're like, still the governor general. Like, unlike like America or like India, we never were like we need to sever our ties. With Britain. Well, no, because we're not a republic, right? Like Canada has just been very compliant with its like yeah status yeah. As, as as a colony. Well, I mean, part of that is because it was kind of you know from the imperial point of view very successfully colonized and filled with with uh you know Brits. Hmm. Yes, for a long so they, time. They're, they're very complacent, but yeah, like it, yeah, we have a governor general. The governor general's job is basically to be like the representative of the queen of, of the queen in Canada. Yeah, so every like the federal government and then every provincial government has well, for provincial governments, they call them lieutenant governors. Uh, but yeah, the queen has a representative. So technically, the queen signs off on any laws uh, that are brought into effect. And the queen can also dissolve uh, parliament. And technically that's how it happens, but it's on the advice of the prime minister or the premier that by which that happens. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's like of, it's kind of ceremonial. Yeah, but like, it's the yeah. same in the UK where like the sovereign who is the crown cannot actually uh, affect any policy or any political change on their. If they do, I mean, it's going to cause a huge clusterfuck. So basically, they're just supposed to do whatever the parliamentarians want them to do. So, yeah, it's m- mainly symbolic. I mean, there had been things in Canada in the past where the governor generals r- took their roles to heart and it caused constitutional conflict because it was like, whoa, 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 you're supposed to be symbolic. You're not supposed to be actually doing the powers that we gave you to do. Right. So a lot of it is presumed stuff. That's how Canadian politics works. Mm-hmm. A lot of presumed this is what you're supposed to do. You're not actually supposed to. Yeah, exactly. Right. We're going to take you at your word. You know, you do the things, you say the magic words when we tell you to, and that's it. But it can be taken over if someone really wanted to. If someone just said, fuck it all, I'm doing whatever I want. That is possible within the Canadian system. But yeah, yeah. Like the the governor general has a weird, like, veto power to, like, everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But it's all, yeah, based on goodwill and roles that have been defined over the years on how you're supposed to conduct yourself as like governor general for example or the queen herself or king in the future but yeah so because of this like dichotomy and this weirdness that we find ourselves in there's been stuff that have popped up over the years in quebec due to this rise in nationalism that we have uh first established in the 60s and then up until the modern time so one of the things here that uh and what brings uh, my interest in all this is because I, I see these things and I'm just like, if we could get past talking about this bullshit, we could actually, you know, make things better or work on things that are actually an issue in this province and actually yeah, there's, make there's changes like, for, for the better. But we don't because we, of- we talk about like language and we get we get involved in all this like bullshit. And there's people who have good ideas 
ideas, but they they spend their resources on their bad ideas instead of mm. their good ideas. Yes. And their bad ideas are always language ideas. Yes. So I, that's the first thing we'll touch on is, is, is the prevalence of language laws here in this province. So I don't... Language think, politics in this province. Laws, politics, but it comes down to like the legal side of it all. But anyways, I think, I don't think there's this much effort put into like controlling language in terms of uh, like a legal sense anywhere else in the world uh like there is here i think it i think it gets represented differently it's in other places it's more based when language is more unified well quote-unquote unified there's it's more based on censorship right like those are the laws that are are affected that are more effective towards like signage and shit like that yeah but if i went there's also other countries that are more comfortable and in their bilingualism where it's like 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 you know the fact that like because like we live in the quebec is, is is a capitalist province right so like theoretically if you have english signage and you don't get english patrons your business will fail you know yeah. or or if you have mandarin and signage your business will fail because no one will understand your signage it, like it should be able to regulate itself i don't get why the government needs to put its hand in it because the french language is sacred and it's being taken away from us Dexter. <laughs> oh my god okay <laughs> All right, all right, I'm sorry. All right, go, okay. go, go for it. <laughs> Please. Okay, okay, all right, okay. So, you know what? Yeah, like Alex has oh, political science expertise. I do have a linguistics degree. I do have some expertise in this. There yes, you go. there you go. The French language is not special. No language is special. Languages are all the same. Yes. They are just languages. And also, there's this weird obsession with, like, the, with the preservation and, like, the quality and... and the beauty of French and compared to English. But like, firstly, France doesn't care this much about French. France doesn't care. France is aware that their language evolves and they accept English words into their language yes. because that's what happens when you live in a in a, a, a global world where we have the Internet, you're going to get loan words, well, especially where happens. where English is like the dominant language for business. Yeah. And yeah. And when and when you you are surrounded by English in every other province and when like the biggest city in the province is very bilingual there's gonna be english words mm-hmm. that it just it happens and like language changes that's just a fact about language language changes the like the french that you are taught in high school is the french that they spoke 300 years ago that's the this french is that is written in books and the french that you speak is the is the french that is that is that that was evolved from the working class people 300 years ago who kept speaking to each other and they're two different language they're two completely different languages the things you read in books and are on signs and the thing that people speak yeah they're completely different and it's weird that they keep conflating the two and that that becomes this like identity and political issue it becomes a focus of everything to the detriment of everything else like there are other elements to Quebec culture that make it unique compared to canada Mm -hmm. yeah that i think are more important than the language like you can let the language go and you can let the language regulate itself and i i do think it had value at the beginning of the quiet revolution Mm -hmm. because it was a problem then now it's not a problem now it's a a tool that's used to suppress immigrants that's what it does now that's what the 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 officer says does now yeah, yeah so for those who don't know oh sorry you're gonna say say something no i was just gonna say and, and you know what it comes down to you know what it is right it's like obviously like this idea of your of like the fear of your minority language getting taken away being like because this of this minority complex that quebec that french quebec has even within its own country even within its own province yeah no that's a fair point uh so to highlight some of the silliness that comes comes from this regulation of language one a lot is, of silliness. is is the we have the office the what de la langue française yeah, or office québécoise de la langue française branch of the government yeah. that, that makes sure there's enough french that, like like if you're really dedicated to this give a sign that has like the name of your company in english and in french firstly it has to have the name in english and in french or in only French. Yeah. And if it does have English and French, the French has to be slightly larger than the English. It has to be three times bigger than the English and placed on top. So you'll mm-hmm. see signs where it's like, and, and I, whenever I see this on the metro, I kind of like laugh because there'll be like emergency instructions. 
and it's yeah. just like big it's big writing in french and then the english smaller. is like tiny like small print and i'm like if i'm a tourist in the city and i'm trying to if there's an emergency and i'm trying to like figure out what to do i'm like i gotta pull out my magnifying glass and like find out you know what's written on the freaking wall like that is so petty it's petty absolutely yeah and so the you can actually like submit because i read about this news from time to time where like a store or a business will have english signage or not the right kind of signage because maybe the the, mm-hmm. the the words aren't three times bigger uh, or something but you can submit like anonymous complaints and then the office will come down on you and sometimes they get like one or two complaints from someone yeah. so it means majority of people don't really give a shit but like you have that one jackass that does and now someone's yeah. faced with a bunch of fines by someone who probably doesn't even go to that place but just saw it and was upset by and it. it's it and, and if you have a store that has only english signage it's probably in an english neighborhood because yeah. if you have a store with only english signage in a french neighborhood the french people aren't going to come to your store no like that's just that's basic economics so yeah one of the things that had come out over the last few years was what we call Pastigate. And so this was because of the French language police menus in restaurants. Uh, they would say pasta on the menu. So when you know you go your pasta section or your spaghetti, linguine, fettuccine, whatever, lasagna, go for some lasagna, make me hungry now. You know, there was a big kerfuffle here. Because restaurants had the word pasta in their menu and not pat, which is the French word. But pasta is an Italian word to begin with. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, like, who gives a shit? Everyone knows what it is. You go to a restaurant, you see pasta. You're not like, oh, it doesn't say pat, so I don't know what the fuck I'm ordering. That's one of those nonsense things where it's, like, keeping with, like, what the dictionary says. The dictionary says pat. But, like, if you speak to people who speak French, in like, normal Quebecers, yeah. they will say the word pasta. Mm-hmm. They know what it is. Like, that's one of those words that has made it in. And it didn't make it in through the English speakers. It made it in through the huge Italian community in Montreal. Yeah. It's just one of those things where it's, like, this should not be an issue. But this is what we're talking about. I remember when it was popular in the news when this was going on, instead of like the crumbling infrastructure in Montreal, like that's what we should be dedicating money to and attention to. Like anytime one of these things comes up, it grabs all the attention. Yes. And it wastes wastes people's attention to politics. Yeah. And because it's, you know, and you know why it's because it's a hallmark of the separatist movement that like the nationalism that's still alive in Quebec politics Mm -hmm. today. Right. Like a lot of, a lot of like Quebecois parties, can't not say that they're not nationalist, right? Because they also have to have a little bit of inkling towards that to keep the people who are still into this happy. Because it's still very, it's surprisingly still alive. Still around. It, it dies it, down. It, 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 it hit its peak in 1995, but it is still, it, it still exists. Yeah. Like, it, there's it's, still plenty of nationalists. It's around race. enough that you can't discount it, right? Yeah. yeah. It's like almost like with any... Uh, technology making a comparison here like to technology anytime like a new technology comes out right people say oh this old format is dead right so you may think like radio oh there's television there's movies there's streaming now radio is dead who listens to radio but still around right still around Mm -hmm. so it's kind of similar with this this political movement uh for uh separatism at least like on the provincial level it's even federal too it's still around yeah, it, it's it's also because like it's literally Papa was mentioning this and then I cut him off before, but it's literally okay. put in it's in Quebec law. Like the way when the Parti Québécois came into power, they made this thing called the Charter of the French Language, yep. which which in the Quebec Constitution like prioritize like protect has the goal of protecting the French language, making it the official language of business in Quebec. Like it it's literally in there in the it's it's legal. They can't fuck with it. Which is why it's quote unquote so important. Canadians are the most powerful minority in the fucking world. Insane. Yeah. They have they have such a like a chokehold on the federal government. Like I I think we talked about this in some earlier episode, but like we have a thing called the Bloc Québécois, which is a federal um political party that is basically a protest party. Like its sole purpose is for Quebecers to vote for it so that they can show that they didn't vote for any of the other parties. Yeah, there's basically they, there's 75 seats in, in, in the federal parliament in Quebec and they only run in Quebec. So there's no way they could ever form government unless it was like a coalition government or something. Yeah, but there's no way they could ever form. Things. 
You know, yeah, they're just there strictly to advocate for Quebec policy uh, and, and economic stuff on the federal level. Like that's, yeah, that's their only purpose. Which has value. I understand why they do it, but it's really hard to respect like the plight of French Canadians when at the exact same time they're oppressing all of their mm-hmm. like, like Haitian and Moroccan immigrants. Yeah. It's like, it's really hard for me to be like, oh yeah, I do see how you guys are minority and you guys do suffer, but like at the same time, you're super Islamophobic. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to get to that in a second. Just before. And there's. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Just one one last thing on the French French language charter. Like, it has more effect than just restricting, like, business signs and stuff. In Quebec, if you, like, didn't. It also. It it it, affects people's language of study. Uh, So, like, if you're. If you were born in Quebec um, and your parents didn't go to. A elementary or high school in English, you can't go to an yeah. elementary or high school. In which, which which means that if you are an immigrant, you have to go to French school. Exactly. And if you are and if you're French speaking, and both your parents went to French school, you have to go to French school. Yeah. Which kind of cripples your French speaking community because they can't learn English, which means that they can't join the world, right? Mm. They can't join global business because global business is in English. So uh, just before we move on to things like immigration, because obviously this has an effect too, uh, just a couple things uh, about language here that I just want to bring up because it is uh, annoying. So we talked about uh, Passagay, Bonjour. Did we, wait, do we talk about Bonjour? Horror? No, hey? No, okay, so in, in Montreal, and, that, and that's the other thing about with all these language laws, they basically center around Montreal because this is the part of yeah, Quebec that has the, the English-speaking population. A little bit in Gatineau. Because... Yeah. Rural Quebec is all French. Pretty much French. Like none of this. So none of this stuff really matters there because yeah. everything will be done in French and everyone speaks French. So everyone kind of gets along. So it's like totally fine. But yeah, once you get to Montreal, which is the big city, although not as big as it used to be, like we mentioned before, historically Montreal was a big city of Canada. Now it's just like the big city uh, in Quebec, although second largest population. So in Montreal, when you go to a store, it's very frequent for the person working customer service to greet you with bonjour hi because a lot of people speak both languages so i don't know but just by looking at you do you speak french or english so i'll say bonjour hi and then you can respond in english or yeah. in french and we can continue the conversation from there yeah, and, and like like um you you're allowed you're allowed to get service in either language english or yes. french because they're both the official languages of of um canada yeah, exactly. In a, in a government building, in a government building, you always... Well, a federal government building, yeah. yeah. Eventually, no, it's French is the only official language. But anyways, so a lot of businesses, they'll do that. And it, I think most people get along fine because you can continue. If, you, if you're someone who does not speak English, you heard bonjour, so you know, you know what to do. Another thing you'll hear is like suivant next, which is mm-hmm. you know, next person line. But what was it? I think this past uh, winter, the I don't know if it was the Bloc or Parti Québécois, because one's federal, one's provincial, suggested it's instead. the Parti. Okay, and su- suggested instead of saying this is how they try to remain relevant. Instead of saying bonjour hi, you should say bonjour ho. And I'm like, what? Who thought <laughs> this was a good idea? What the hell does ho mean other than those hoes? But <laughs> like, I don't understand. What are you trying to say? They're like, don't say bonjour. Hi, say bonjour. I, I always thought bonjour ho was a meme. Wait, no, it's real. It's a little policy that they want to introduce as a way to curb the use of English in 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 businesses and stuff. And I'm like, why? And it's one wow. of those things where you get into like, why are we dedicating time to this? I mean, it's funny and you can make great memes, but at the end of the day, it's like we're talking about something so insignificant. Because if the issue was no one could get served in French, I understand that. If you went to every single business or majority of businesses. And it was all hello, like at the beginning of the Quiet Revolution, when they made these language laws initially to address that problem. When it was a problem, I get that. But we've, we're beyond that now. Plenty of people are bilingual and, and are able to communicate in either language. So it's covered. And then we're yeah, still I remember, talking about it. I remember when I was working in retail, uh, it was like, like a few years ago now, at least four years ago. Like we were doing Bonjour High. And then at one point my boss or something i was working for fossil they got a complaint i guess because he was like from now on like we're only saying bonjour and then if people will talk to us in english then you can switch to english yeah it was like it's like very relevant in a lot of business sectors 
kind of not frightening, but like it's like, oh gosh, okay, you gotta be on your toes just in case that one Quebec, one French Canadian person comes up to you and is like, excuse. And I've had people come up to me when I try to speak to them in English and be like, excuse me, on est au Québec, c'est le on parle en français, you yeah. know? Yeah, no, I've had just, just a waste of time and energy. Absolutely, yeah. I agree with you, Pablo. And the one last thing here about English and uh, being spoken uh, in the workplace. Uh, which I think is pretty funny is, uh, and this is how it drains like your resources. So a couple of years ago, the, uh, the hockey team here is, is the, is the Montreal Canadians. So they're the one basically French speaking team, I guess, like officially, uh, in the NHL, right. Which spans the U S and Canada. And, uh, what was it? They, they had fired their head coach and they had to get, uh, I think one of the assistant coaches as their interim head coach. And it was someone who did not really speak French. And there was a huge freaking deal made about it in the news media about how, you know, how can you have the head coach of the Montreal Canadiens and they don't speak French? And I was like, why, why do we care? It, it's not, it's not composed of Ukrainians. <laughs> yeah. It's not, it's not like the, the Canadians is like a public institution. It's not a government service that's run. Well, it's not a community it, program. It's, it's kind a, of a, a cornerstone of Quebec culture. Hockey is a big part of Quebec culture and, us, and Canadian culture. I'm not going to deny that, but come on. Whether or not the, the, the coach speaks French adequately enough is a ridiculous Thing to have out there just in general because like yeah the players that don't that that was a thing the players don't have to right it's not like most of the the people who make up the team are from montreal or you have to be you know you have people who come from europe you have people come yeah. from the u.s you have people come from other parts of the country who probably only speak yeah and like like English. you know it's it's a it's a sports league so you you know you're trading players across teams so you end up with a bunch of americans and well, every, every other aspect of the NHL is in English. The only time they do stuff in French is if they're doing marketing material specifically for the Quebec market. But everything, like a game's run in English. They're not bilingual, right? Any French coach, uh, French-speaking coach of the, of the Montreal Canadiens has to know English. So at the end of the day, like if you have someone who's not as good in French or maybe only speaks English, like I don't understand why it's like taking up time beyond like talking in the sports section, basically. But anyways. So that's some of the ridiculousness about like language laws that kind of take away. But let's mo let's move on here to uh, the expression of religious freedom a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. About the secularism. Oh. Yes. So or quote unquote secularism. Quebec oh, claims to be a secular society, much like France also likes to be a secular society. And Which is also total bullshit there. Oh, well, yeah, of course. Um, now, I don't have any issue with secularism. I think the government should not take an official stance on any like religion, so it should not support any any religion. It should celebrate. Yeah, if Quebec was actually secular, I'd be super happy about it. Yeah, so I'm I'm for like a religiously neutral state, so that way you're not really you know impeding on you know the customs and culture and rights of people who don't share the same religious views as you, which which is fine in in in, in my books. But they claim, oh, and, and, and yeah, in particular with Quebec, like, 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 I mean, like, you know, Protestantism and Catholicism, you know, share quite a bit in common. But like, like that, those two religions are still the, like, you know, the origin religions of Canada, right? Because mm. the British were Protestant and the French were Catholic. So, like, yeah, it's better if you don't choose a side. There's that, and then all those people. With, and then now, at this point, yeah. we have there's there's like there's many a, religions in, in Montreal specifically. There's a lot of different religions, including Islam and Judaism. Yeah, yeah, and you have people from all different religious backgrounds, so I have no issue with the government not taking a side on any of that. The problem comes when, when a couple of years ago they wanted to introduce a charter of religious values here in Quebec, which was supposed to, I guess, strengthen this idea of secularism. But the way they went about it was basically by saying that any public servant cannot wear any religious symbols while they're doing their job. So to me, that's not religiously neutral because basically you're saying you cannot display any religiosity on your person yeah, while you it's, work. It's, to me, that's yeah, not exactly. that's not secularism. Yeah, being secular is like you could have whatever religion. Yeah, exactly. like you can represent whatever religion you belong to while you're at work. So that means and the like, important part of the important part of that the yeah. bill seventy one or whatever uh, is that it's really hard. I don't know. Bill twenty one. My apologies. Twenty one. Yeah. Against it. Uh, is that it particularly, you know, 
discriminated against religions that overtly showed their thing that showed their religious yeah it's, it's exactly things, right? that doesn't bother catholics so much because you're catholics. wearing you're wearing a little crucifix well it doesn't exactly. it doesn't bother catholics and protestants because those are generally speaking people who go to church like two times a year now obviously you have a lot of people who are religious and may go every sunday but for the most part i think uh people go for easter and for christmas those are your two major like holidays that's the time most people actually do yeah. go this law is about hijabs and turbans like that's it, what the law was about exactly yeah. and and the issue is how the law applies to a person right because when you think about neutrality it's like yes what is the law saying or who's it protecting right okay so yes no one's displaying religion but you also got to think who it affects and in this case it's going to affect anyone who has yeah outward display of 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 the religion and it also it, it was also like on teachers and stuff too and like uh people who work like as nurses and doctors and stuff like that and the medical daycare field. workers too exactly so you'll have uh well especially like nurses and daycare workers probably lower income uh individuals who most likely are immigrants who probably have a different religion than most people here who are catholic and 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 protestant so it's going to affect those people more uh, uh, and what's than, sad about than, uh, it? People who aren't Christian. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, I was gonna say what's sad about it to me is that like, uh, you if you're if you've been listening, you you know, it's very this is very secularism and Catholicism is a product of the overreachingness of the Catholic Church in uh, all these fields before the 1960s, right? It, it was very it was very much based in this like, okay, we can't have our fucking Catholic government, our, our the Catholic the Catholic Church ruling our government, telling us how to do how many kids we're gonna have, and like being all like chased and shit there was a huge movement in the in post post the 60s and the quiet revolution like specifically for like baptism and stuff to try and you know get out of the, that kind of like religious uh sovereignty that was hold over quebec and this and the sad part is that that is a the current state of secularism in quebec is a holdover from that that hasn't aged well yeah, yeah it, it, you know? it, it, it's like it, it, it's function has been changed over time to something exactly it hasn't reflected aggressive. Yeah, it hasn't reflected the cultural context that we live in, which is a lot more multicultural and a lot, and that includes various religions that have, that are here in Quebec. It's not secularism as it could be, you know. Yeah, like to me, secularism should be like the government doesn't tell you what to wear or what not to wear, right? That's being neutral. Is that the government doesn't say anything? If they tell you you can't wear, that's no longer that's not neutral anymore. Right. Mm -hmm. Now you're imposing something on certain individuals who if every single religious group displayed their religious artifacts in the same manner, like it was like a little necklace that you could hide or it was like something on your sleeve that could easily be covered up. If everyone was like that, then OK, fine. Sure. But not everyone displays their religious uh, or their, their religion in that way. So obviously it's going to have to an the impact. Point, and more to the point, I think a lot of people get uh, like upset about Quebec in terms of its what they call like hypocrisy in terms of the secularism because of how much the Quebec, Quebec politics and Quebec government was entrenched in Catholicism which is still kind of held over today like there's still a huge yeah. cross in the National Assembly well that's yeah, one of the things right? yeah. there's crosses everywhere yeah they, like haven't on done, schools. they haven't done the thing that they're doing to other religions to themselves <laughs> exactly like a lot of schools I'll walk by they have big crosses on the outside or maybe even in because oh, I don't walk into schools randomly but <laughs> they you know and yeah you're right in the National Assembly right there's a big cross that hangs in well, the yeah. walls there and people say well you're going to take that down and they're like oh no no it's it's historical we can't it's touch historical. it now yeah, my, my high school had two chapels in it. Oh, really? Yeah, we had two chapels, and we had to go to Mass every Christmas. Yeah, we used to and say was, prayer it, before it was, it was, lunch every in my elementary school. Oh, damn. Yeah. I mean, I yeah. did that, but I went to a Catholic high school, so, I mean, this, that this, was this the school, point. This school it was, was a Catholic this high school. The school is semi-private. Yeah. It was semi-private, so that, so that means that, like, because, like, I mean, my high school has, um, uh, it had historical value because it, it was the the first school in Montreal which they love reminding yeah. you of. <laughs> um, so because, because of that, the, the, the provincial government like um, provides a lot of the money for the school. But that means that the government is, is you know, running a Catholic school. Basically, right? yeah. And a yeah. lot of other buildings where they still have, uh, you know, the, this display of uh, uh, Christian symbols, they, they're, they're allowed to remain untouched because the fear is that 
like this is this is the internal logic of why we have such a law is that if I if I'm a person and I see someone wearing a turban or wearing a kippa or um, some other religious uh, symbol or item, I'm going to be converted. I'm going to look at them and be like, oh, yeah, I, I want to yeah, be Jew now. Exactly. Exactly. And it's now, yeah, like, if, if, if you have if you have teachers wearing hijabs in the classroom, it's going to turn all the students in, into terrifying muslims and, yeah. the, and we can't have that it's gonna ruin like, quebec culture it doesn't make sense like i wouldn't want anyone like proselytizing yeah if i sent my kid to school and their teacher was someone who was muslim and they were proselytizing to the students about how you should convert to islam i'd be like that's not this is not the place for that i didn't i didn't come to bring <laughs> my kid to school to be converted to, to your religion like that's not cool but i wouldn't you know look at someone wearing like a hijab for example and then go, oh, no, my kid, like, they're they're clearly just going to convert them. It's like, that's not how that works. Like, I, I understand you have your religious belief. You, you're following it. That's cool. You know, you teach my kid. Great. You know, like, you don't really need to get involved on that level. Well, and, and like, and, and, and like the, the, the messed up thing is that, like, it, they kind of succeeded. Because, like, the, this was, like, part of this was to run, like, immigrant teachers out of the schools. And it worked, you well, know? yeah, because, I mean, once you pass the law, then. yeah. That's it. You you pass a law. The other thing about this religious symbol law, it ties into like face coverings with like, mm-hmm. um, was it the burqa? With niqabs and burqas. Niqabs, yeah. yeah, and burqas. Exactly. And I remember before, like the, obviously the pandemic hit, the justification as to why we need this law, why we, we can't have people covering their faces with a burqa or a niqab, because how are we going to know who they are? They could be any. That could be anyone underneath yeah, there. Yeah, that was that was always the argument. It's like it's like we can't have someone bring a niqab into a bank. They they could be trying to rob the bank. It's like and it like it doesn't it's make it's 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 such like mental gymnastics yeah. to like rationalize your racism. It doesn't. Yeah, and it, and yeah, now no. anyone everyone has to wear masks, right? Nobody. You don't hear the fucking Quebec government going like. No, maybe we shouldn't wear masks. We're gonna have well, well, well the thing is, is the thing is, is that there are a lot of people who are still saying that, right? Because that's built. Well, yeah, but it's you know, it's all the idiot French Canadians who yell racist slurs at me in the street. They say <laughs> this stuff too. Oh yeah. So we we had to shift to basically covering our faces at least indoors in public, and you know the world didn't fall apart basically. And before uh, any time. Someone had like a hijab or not hijab, sorry, uh, a niqab or, or 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 a burqa. Like it was never an issue if you need to confirm their identity. Like I worked at uh, one of the polling stations for the federal elections, and I think a few people came in with their face covered, and the person who like uh, was assigned for like confirming their identity, you know, they went like aside, took off their 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 thing and. They confirm. Okay, cool. Like it wasn't a big deal. It's not like people who wear them. Like I can never take it off. Like they don't take like a vows of like I guess equivalent of vow of silence, where it's like you, I can never undo this bond. It's just like no. Okay, if you need to see my face, I'll show it to you. No problem. We move on with our life. It's, it's never been as big as a deal as they they try to make it out to like justify this this kind of law here. And that's the end of part one of our discussion about Quebec. If you want to hear the rest, part two will be coming out soon. So stay tuned for that.